Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Chris Patterson will be talking about what it looks like to grow a team, invest in a team, what it looks like to hire good people to keep them, and ultimately what it looks like to have good company culture and how to get that. Welcome, everyone. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, and I'm really excited for today's interview because I'm going to officially interview a good longtime friend of mine, Chris Patterson. And Chris is an operations manager at 1888 Industrial Services. They have roughly 500 plus employees. And uh, but I knew him before then when he was the operations manager at a firm, Oilfield Services. How many employees did they have? Towards the end there. Uh, towards the end, I think we got um, out of the downturn about 128. And when you started? Okay. Uh, when we started, um, we were roughly right right under 200. Wow. Okay. All right. So I have a – know, we've known each other for quite some time, but I still – I still have specific questions for you. Like, you've done a lot. We haven't really ever talked about these things directly. So that's what I'm excited for is one thing that I noticed from you at a firm. We worked there. I worked in as the safety department. We worked a little bit with operations. You were in operations. Um, take me through that journey. Like, what was their culture like when it first started versus towards the end, you know, that, that's when I met you. And what always stood out to me is you guys had a strong culture and understanding that no company is perfect. You know, there's ups and downs, but I mean, for the most part, you guys had an amazing culture. And I really genuinely thought that people were bought in. And what I noticed that there were, there were strong relationships at that company. There were people that, you know, hung out outside of work. Like they, people had invested in other coworkers' families. I know that you were heavily involved with your crews and their friends and their families, and you knew their wives, and you just you were you were really involved with that company. And then I saw you bring that culture and mindset over to 1888, and you guys have done just an amazing job. So I mean, what did that culture look like when you started at a firm? And so essentially, just kind of I guess backing up on on all of that. Um, before we were bought out, I worked for Schneider Energy Services. Um, Schneider was the family-type company um, that, that brought that culture that I, I continued to push forward. Um, I learned from some very good mentors, um, A, Kevin Bothwell, kind of like my fatherly figure in, in this industry because he just had a compassion for people. Really? He was an operations manager? He was, he was the, your direct uh, report? He was the direct report, yeah. He, wow. he oversaw all operations. So you've been in the oil field for roughly 10, uh, 10 years. 10 years. So when you're getting mentored from this guy, like, is this a shocker? Is this shock? Are you in, like, how did you take that? Because this is oil field. This is, you know, it's kind of perceived from the outside as a cutthroat type of industry, you know, every man for himself. But like you have this mentor that's showing you that, hey, business is about people, about relationships. So, I mean, were you surprised by that? I was in the beginning because I, I started in the field. Um, I ran a maintenance crew. I was roused about, I mean, I started just like everybody else. A lot of us started out as, as welders helpers. So. Yeah. Um, making the transition from the field to the office, um, I really needed to cling on to what that culture was. 
um, the company I worked for prior had filed for bankruptcy, and Kevin and, and Jeff Schneider were were arms open. Um, mm. Come on over, and you know I was just grateful to have a job. Yeah. At that point, so um, it's <clears throat> the transition was was rough in the beginning because you have that camaraderie with your guys in the field. Yeah. Um, being their their pusher, their um, their leader, but then you move into a position of uh, supervisory status and that basically you have to be able to juggle the field. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys that were your buddies in the field are now really buddy, buddy. Cause they were like, Hey man, I, I need a raise. Like hook me up with a raise now. You're their supervisor and now. To, and we had to, there, there's a fine line, uh, in the middle that it, it was very hard for me to, to, to not give in to those demands in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but Kevin gave me, um, just advice and, and just kind of showed me instead of telling me he he was really hands-on and showing me kind of how to how, handle how the, the transition worked. yeah okay so I feel like that's a big going from f- field to foreman to supervisor or making that transition from the the field to the office mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of training for that specific transition mm-hmm. do you agree there so there wasn't any Right? Like, and there's still to this day, like with the technology and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're 2019 and there's not a lot of training specifically for supervisors. And we recently, last week or the week before, we had our first safety summit for oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. We had operators there. We had contractors. Um, It was a huge success. We were really excited. But it was cool because it was an open forum. And so people got to share their problems. And so one of the things that they brought up was okay, like this is my genuine struggle. We, we promote somebody, but that person never got the leadership skills mm-hmm. like that are needed really for that position, the communication skills, the how to invest, like, I mean, truly investing in your people beyond the technical skills. So that's something that I've genuinely observed you do so well is investing in your people and building a genuine culture around that. So what does that look like? So you, tr- you know, making the transition from a firm to 1888, now 500 plus employees. What did it look like investing in your people at a smaller company versus this size of company? Is it the same how you invest in your people or what does that look like? I think when <clears throat> the transition, it, it genuinely took a year in trying to identify what the culture was that I was coming into. At 1888. Um, at 1888. Okay. Um, because it had been established for so long mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't come in and, and just start making changes. I didn't want to. I wanted to genuinely look at the crews, the people, um, how the structure was built, how, how everything had been, been flowing. Um, so essentially when, when I had the opportunity to come on, I just told them that, you know, give me at least six months. Let me let me observe. Let me mm-hmm. let me just see what what's going on. And and I did learn that um, the relationships that I had built at a firm, when I did leave um, them to go to 1888, a lot of those strong-minded people that essentially were were my family at a firm. Yeah, transitioned over with me. Right. Um, I remember I was, I mean, you had a lot of people coming up to you and they said, hey, wherever you go, I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's something special that has, that speaks a lot to your character, that speaks a lot to what you've built with them. But at the end of the day, 
It was simply because you had a genuine friendship with these guys. Mm-hmm. Like they're, you they're had. Your, they're your family at the end of the day. Um, I know people say it all the time, but we spend more time with, with our work than we do with our families. Mm-hmm. And so having that extra time to invest in these people, um, getting to know their their families, getting to know their, their children, understanding that you can you can look at them and know that they're just not having a good day, mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to, to take the day off, um, to have a genuine conversation. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um, always had an open door policy. Um, okay. My guys have always um, been able to come to me um, if they've needed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, it's, it's letting them do what they do best. You know, giving mm-hmm. them that little bit of a push, not micromanaging them, but just letting them do what they do best and let them utilize their ideas. Their ideas, <clears throat> I don't know everything, and I can get complacent in certain areas. Yeah. Um, but these guys, they can they can kind of open your mind a little bit. Yeah. Been doing it this way for 10 years. What if we try it this way? Well, I think that speaks a lot to you, though, because... If you're the supervisor or you're the foreman, whatever, you could, some people could have the attitude that I do know it all, that you're going to say whatever I say, or you're going to do whatever I tell you to do. But I mean, you have to take approach, an approach of a humble approach, a, you know, I'm, I'm still learning every single day approach for you to get that type of feedback from your people, right? I mean, right. you have to, like like you just said, I don't know everything. And so since you take that approach, your people are able to talk to you, feel comfortable around you, and know that they're, you know, not getting scrutinized yeah. every time oh, they yeah. work around you. Yeah. Well, and I've always preached, too, that, you know, the, it's the Mack truck theory. If I'm crossing the street today and I get hit by a, by a semi-truck, who's going to take my spot? Who, who have I invested in? to build up, to take over. Mm-hmm. And I think that holds true for, for anything. I mean, we all, we all have dreams and aspirations to move forward and move up and, mm-hmm. and given those opportunities. Now, if you're an employee and you don't feel like you have those opportunities, you're not going to give it 110%. I talk with several people outside of 1888 and other companies that, that have been doing the same thing for 10 years. Now, is it their mentality? Is it their mindset of they don't want to do it? They're not they don't want to show they don't their want the true capabilities. They don't yeah. want the responsibility. Um, there's those people, and that's totally fine. Yeah. If you're happy doing what you've been doing, then do it. Yeah, and they're um, happy. But you give people that want more an opportunity to do more mm-hmm. and to prove that they're capable of more yep. as soon as you bring them on. And it starts at the top. I mean, if there's a willingness with, with my bosses um, – to, to promote and, and to build me up, then I'm going to have a willingness to promote and build up people underneath me. Yeah. Um, one thing that, that I did learn and I, I'm still learning is instead of a top-down kind of a structure, I like to, I'd like to shift that to a bottom-up where we're now taking more ideas and more um, constructive criticisms from the field upward. Mm-hmm. What do they see when, when they show up to work that day? Mm-hmm. Like what... You know what's their biggest complaint? What what are they most happy about? Like, mm-hmm. I know not everybody's going to have a perfect response, and we don't have suggestion boxes in our crew trucks. But if we did, what would those what would those suggestions say? Yeah, those are the type of things that I, I think about. Well, and you keep your communication open to where mm-hmm. you don't need. This is just my observation of 
working with you over these last couple years is your phone is obviously on 24-7. And so your people feel comfortable mm -hmm. calling you at any time. They feel safe confiding in you, saying, hey, I'm unhappy in this area or I'm having a frustration with this coworker yep. or this person. So, I mean, like, people feel good and safe coming to you um, about any any concern. So, like, well, that's I, also I a big step, yeah. too. Yeah. No, I, I definitely would hope that um, with anybody. It doesn't even have to be a, a direct employee. I mean, I, I want to be that outlet for anybody. Mm -hmm. um, I need outlets. Uh, people need them. Communication mm -hmm. is 100% key, especially in any business, especially in this business. Um, the, the customers we work for are all different. You build mentalities with different customers. Like, mm -hmm. we've got one that's 100% safety-minded, um, and then you've got others that, that are new and they're, they're still trying to identify their culture. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're picking and choosing your, your teammates, you know, you want to integrate both mm -hmm. because you're getting good on one side and you're getting guys that are trainable on the other. Um, and it's just, it's just being able to identify these individuals and, and make sure that they know every day, like, that they're doing a great job. Mm -hmm. um, pat on the back goes a long way. That's huge. Like that's, I mean, these are all little tips that viewers can take with them mm -hmm. to how to build a team if you're starting from scratch. How do you reduce your turnover? How do you find good people? I mean, those little things like keeping the communication strong, like always having an open door policy, like that's big. Not scrutinizing somebody that's coming to you, you know, with a problem, like just yeah. always being there for them. Um, so another thing that was brought up at the safety summit was like operators, contractors, they were all expressing kind of the same concern with how do you, in, especially in this job market, how do you find good people and then how do you keep good people? So, I mean, what has been your experience with that? Because especially with today's job market, I mean, it's been, like, it's tough, right? It's extremely tough. We're in, probably in the most volatile industry in the state. I mean, it's, yeah. we're constantly being attacked. We're constantly being pushed. But I guess if, if I needed to look at it, I'd say being the most regulated, being the most safety conscientious industry, we we do a pretty dang good job. And yeah. I don't <clears> – <throat> people don't see that. And I guess going back to your question, like how do you find good people, I think good people find you. And oh, my gosh, that's so to, good. Yeah. To open your eyes to those people that are genuinely there to to do better for you. Um, I'm constantly doing better for, for my bosses. My employees are doing better for me. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, like, the good people will find you. Because of reputation, because of not even so much the company's reputation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big part of it, too. But you're just saying, like, your reputation and your and, – and the the leadership. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, the leadership's yeah. reputation at that company yeah. is what's essentially going to draw people in and other happy – employees are going to tell their guys or their friends, like, hey, this is an amazing place to work. Like, mm -hmm. I, I get taken care of. So that's kind of what I think when you're saying people will find you. It's because... Yep, good people. Um, and that, too, I mean, it holds true. Don't ever put your blinders on because you don't know exactly what you have unless you invest, right? You've got to invest in the people, every one of them. And the ones that stand out and the ones that want to do better will always be right in front of you. Um, and they're going to be mentoring other people. So mm -hmm. it, it does work. 
um, I've always believed that one person can influence three. That is so and good. Once That's you so start true. Doing that it starts going down the line, and I mean it's it's been that way in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take my good fortunes, and I want to be able to to show that to other people mm-hmm. and say this is this is where I was. This is this is where I am. Now what's the next step? I got to continue to push myself, mm-hmm. and in pushing myself, I'm pushing my guys. My You're guys pushing, are pushing everyone around guys. you. Yeah. So, I mean, that answers kind of both questions is how do you find good people? One, if you have a good company culture, you're going to attract the right people. And then it answers the question of how do you keep good people is by continuously investing in them. So how do you take somebody – so say that you have – I don't know. Say that you're working with six people and they don't have any leadership skills. They don't have any – or they don't – they're entry level, so they just haven't been invested in yet. So, I mean, how do you take somebody to the next level? Like, what does that look like for you personally? How do you <clears throat> develop the, those things? I guess at the end of the day, with that, the entry level type people, um, we, I don't like introducing them to the field aspect until they've gone through rigorous amounts of safety training. I mean, from where we've been at 10 years ago to now. Um, <laughs> it looks night day. We are safeted out. <laughs> what did it, what, okay, so for people that aren't familiar with the oil field, what did it look like when you first started 10 <sighs> years ago to what does this say? What does the new hire orientation look like then, and what does it look like now? The new hire orientation 10 years ago is a handshake. Um, sign the papers, you're out in the field. Um <laughs> Sleeveless shirts, cut-up jeans. Um, oh, my gosh. Just, it was chaos. It was the Wild West. Um, Truly. And a lot of people, a lot of the older generation people that have been around, they know what the Wild West is. And um, they love it. With Oilfield. And <laughs> and that's where we find ourselves talking about quite a bit is my, man, remember 10 years ago, we didn't have harnesses. We're jumping tank to tank, putting stuff together. Mm-hmm. I know it makes you cringe now. I know. I'm like, but, my stomach. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, you didn't report incidents um, unless they were catastrophic. And I guess that's attributed back to even in the early 1930s when companies would actually budget in death. Mm-hmm. So making that transition to where we're at now, um, everything is reported. Um, I had a company man <clears throat> probably five years ago um, who didn't he he wanted to know everything if you're walking across location and he watched a guy kind of you know trip over a rock he wanted to make sure that that guy was okay oh wow and it was a weird it was a weird deal to see because we're kind of like well he's fine yeah this is new culture right. for you to be saying you're so safety conscious like this isn't how we operate so yeah. this is weird like who, were you ever frightened okay so then during that time Wild West, things are crazy. There's no safety pol. There are any safety policies. Were you ever afraid? Not afraid in a sense. Of, oh my gosh, I'm going to die today. But I mean, did that ever concern you, or that was such the norm that it it is? It, it was like, no, this it is was, no big deal. It was such the norm, but we were more focused then because we we knew that there were risks, you know, and. And yeah, like now we look at the different types of gloves. Back in back in those days, we had cotton gloves. Now there's five hundred thousand types I mean, of gloves for every yeah, situation. There's blood and 
You know, but you learned from that mistake you made. I've got scars on my hands and my arms from from dumb things mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't focused on. I, I was trying to rush through stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I take those those scars and I'm like, man, I, I did I did mess up then, but I was I feel like I was more focused. Now I think we have safety training that that encompasses everything. Yeah. Um so I mean, the culture now is, is amazing, and I, and I would love for anybody who has questions about it to just come and, and see what we do. Mm-hmm. We're, we're an open book. Um, I will link your email address yes, so people can it. contact you direct. Well, no, and that's, I mean, that's kind of serious because we work with a lot of companies that are startups, mm-hmm. and one of their biggest questions right off the bat is, how do I develop a, a good safety culture? And they have, and they're they're day one. You know, we're we're getting them started before, um, before they start in the field. Yep. So, what kind of advice would you give a startup or a company right now that's struggling with their safety culture? How would you handle those two situations? If how do you start a good safety culture, or if right now you're struggling at your company? I think you you can't be afraid to ask for help. I think there's a lot of especially in this industry, there's, there's a lot of macho mentality. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're that company owner or manager or whatever, yeah, don't be afraid manager, to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Okay. Um, we all wear different hats. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're stuck with, you know, the company that's, that's writing your paycheck. Like we as an industry want to make sure at the end of the day that nobody gets hurt. This is a family. This mm-hmm. is, this is our culture together. It's a tight-knit group of people. So don't um, be afraid to reach out to other companies yeah, that have good safety don't cultures. Don't be afraid. And, and don't be afraid. I mean, I'm not afraid to go out and say, hey, how, how did you obtain this? Like, mm-hmm. how are you at a million hours, like, incident-free? Like, how, mm-hmm. what does your culture look like? How, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Because I think we can build off of our own for, for quite some time. But, but if there's somebody out there doing it just a little bit better, we want to know. 100%. How, how you get there. How yeah. do we achieve? How do we achieve the the zero? Yeah. Um, Noble Energy, a big, huge company that just invests in our safety as much mm-hmm. as their own. Yeah, they do. Um, that has always been their goal, and that is the question they've always asked: How do we get to zero? Yep. We know incidents and accidents are going to happen. Um, one of the guys I, I work with upstairs, um, Bill Mosier, <laughs> told us a Bill. long time ago that all incidents and accidents are 99.9% preventable. Yeah. That 0.01% is going to be an act of God. Mm-hmm. And so how do we achieve that 99.9%? Yeah. What do we do? Um, and that's stuff that we got to continuously work with. We can't get complacent in our culture. Mm-hmm. And new things come out and, and new trainings. And, and we have to be able to say, we're going to spend X amount in our budget for safety this year. Mm-hmm. I completely agree of not being afraid of to ask for help. That's what our safety summit was about, was about getting operators, contractors together so that we could genuinely ask each other, how, what is working in your company and, and what's not? And what are you struggling with? Because like you said, another company could be excelling in an area that you know, you're know you lacking mm-hmm. and you want some advice in. And so it was cool because I just opened it up, just open conversation. And I asked, well, we have a client and they... Um, they weren't there, but we, we were able to share a good technique that they had. And their company motto 
like they adopted this a couple years ago, is choose life. And that, and I, I could be wrong about this. I thought it started with um, their stop work program, and it was like choose life. Mm-hmm. Like, not it doesn't have to be called stop work. It's like no choose life. And so that was something that we saw that was successful in a, in a company. And we challenged other clients, we, or not clients at the safety summit. I mean, not everyone was our client there, but we just said, hey, I challenge you guys to adopt something in your company that's a little bit personal, that's a little bit more caring and loving because we kind of take that out and we forget but we forget that we're working with humans and people at work. Yep. And so that was a, that was something that, you know, was working for a company. We're able to share it. So, yeah, I like that. And then what would you say to a company that is they've just had it's what month are we in? February. February. <laughs> Let's say that they're in February and they've had two recordables already, three recordables already so far this year. They have a. And that doesn't always mean you have a terrible safety culture, but they're, they're just really struggling with their safety culture. How would, what advice would you give? Like, what would be the first step that they could at least do besides reaching out to an, another company? What's something tangible they could do today? I think they need to look into, I guess, more so investing in their supervisory staff. Um, Is that I what it comes down to? that's what it's going to come down to because when, when you don't have a good supervisor that – is with you that is pushing you for for safety and just kind of is is the supervisor that sits in the truck type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when incidents happen. Um, when when your supervisor that you look up to um, is letting you fail, mm-hmm. then that's when the company puts their foot down and truly looks into why is this happening. I have never heard it said that way before. When your supervisor lets you f- lets the team fail, mm-hmm. and it. it's not um, much of a care. Typically, when when there's incidents and accidents, it's not the injured person that goes in to the meetings with the company. Um, oh it's gosh. always yeah. the upper management. So that's where you focus. If I know that tomorrow something happens, I know that I'm going to be the one that has to go sit down and explain why my guy got hurt. Be, and, and, okay, so that brings up something, is working with you over the last couple years, and there have been incidents, mm-hmm. and you have um, a meeting with the contract or the operator about mm-hmm. why this incident happened, you've always taken full responsibility for the yeah. incident. Like, you have, n- I have never seen you be like, you know, oh, my gosh, like, this guy, like, this person was yep. being an idiot. This person completely messed up. He, you know, p- like, projecting all the blame on that person, you've always, like, immediately, hey, Apollonia, we need to go to the hospital or we need to go to the doctor here, you know, I, I, and you're immediately looking at within on mm-hmm. where you failed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I take responsibility because I take it to heart. Yeah. Um, when I bring an employee on, um, they they're my family. This is this is my family, and I do not want to send anybody home hurt. Yeah. Um, we did have have a pretty major incident uh, a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. and typically my conversations with anybody were always a we. Um, this is a we team. Um, it's never me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this incident happened, I, I took full responsibility and blame. 
Um, I didn't even let the direct supervisor go into the meeting with the operator. So you're saying usually it's like, hey, the team failed, we all, but this last time this last you time, directly took, f- okay, I've never heard someone I, say I that before. took okay. full responsibility and, and I explained um, that. And, and basically what, what it came down to, again, is that, is that dreaded word complacency, like, we're not focusing in on the little things. We're always focusing on the big. Yeah. Wear your impact gloves if you're going to use a hammer. Still to boots, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, this, this incident happened. A guy broke his leg in, in like, an 18-inch trench. Oh, I, I wouldn't have seen it. I mean, and, and it was something that we had never really focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember this, it, yeah. It was, it was a, a hard time, and, I mean, the reactions were just... Um, they were all over the board. Like people are like, "How does this happen? What's going on? Why are we?" Everyone was pointing fingers and at it that was time. Like, it's his fault. It's their fault. And, and at the end of the day, like, no, it's my fault. Um, there was there was a lack of communication, or there was a breakdown somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I took it, and I learned from it, mm-hmm. and I took that down the ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 mm-hmm. little things like that um, that we focus in on that. You know, nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm ready to take criticism any day. I'm ready to take um, anybody's advice any day. That's those two <laughs> things are huge qualities of leaders: is being open and willing to take on criticism mm-hmm. from up, you know, from upper management, from your team. Like it doesn't matter who it's coming from, but taking criticism, yep. I think, is huge being open in that way. I mean, we, after that incident, we did a, you guys did, or, and the safety team, we did a ton of training afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. And it's hey, continued. This, yeah. So is that another thing? What happens if your company has an incident? Like what does, what are the right ways to handle it? it the right ways of handling it would be just continuing on with the training. Don't just write it down on paper and make it look good for, for the operator. Mm-hmm. Um, don't yeah. tell them you're going to do this. Like, Invite them in. Let them see what you are working on. I think at the end of the day, like That's being cool. very transparent um, with anybody, um, I, I wanted people to learn from this incident. And I know we've had so many different opportunities to just sit down and talk about it. Um, because somebody else, another company, another person, they're going to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have learned that if you invite the operator in, let them see how how things work. Um, they may have um, some suggestions, some suggestions. Or, they may yeah. have you know because we're all people at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and and that's that's it. We just we've got to be willing to move forward, but continuously push on our culture. Our safety, basically, just yeah. Continue on and don't know stop. That you don't want to fail, but failure can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, like you said, like moving we've on, got to continuously move. Yeah, with a positive. I mean, because we've we've worked with companies that an incident does happen, and it's it from upper management, and that's where it comes from. I mean, everybody shuts down. Yep. Like not an actual stop work, like let's do a safety standout. But I mean, they just, they shut down, everyone's pointing fingers. And then that 
tense negativity, that space like stays there. That culture stays there months and months after the incident. And then it beca- and then and then fear like, yep. and then fear happens and everyone's afraid to go to work. But when you rally everybody together and which I've seen you guys do right, you know, right after an incident, rally everyone together, let everyone know we're gonna move forward and this is what it looks like to move forward. That's been successful for you guys. Yep. Definitely. Yep. So I guess kind of to wrap things up is going back to safety culture. How do you think that, not even going back to safety culture, I'll change it, company culture. How do you improve a culture, a company culture? Because let me know if you agree with this, that safety is the result of good company culture. I feel like that's something that you kind of touched on without saying it, you know, when you treat your people good, when you have relationships with people, everyone out in the field is caring for one another. I mean, incidents are less likely to happen. So how does a company gain that good culture? How do they get it and how do they maintain it? I think in that we don't push safety, right? Safety needs to be the focus of the business. Um, I think a lot of times, again, we are reactive. Yeah. And when an incident happens, we slowly zone in on that. Why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Where was the safety at? You know, um, being able to have a conversation with the guys about why do you think this happened? Mm-hmm. Like, what... What do you think went wrong? Where was the breakdown? Um, what can we do better? What can we do as a team to make sure that this doesn't happen to anybody else? Mm-hmm. So getting um, everyone's feedback. Getting everybody involved instead of being like, hey, you know what? This happened. You're suspended. And we shut down. Yeah. No. We bring everybody in and we discuss it. We talk about it. Um, and also looking at toxic situations. If there's toxicity within your business unit, you've got to be able to identify it. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to have that hard conversation. Mm-hmm. And you've also got to be able to to replace people that, that are going to bring your business down. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think so, bad relationships and toxic environments are sometimes the sometimes the cause of incidents? I mean, when you don't get along with people. Yeah, that or, I mean, if there's issues at home, like if you don't have open communication with your guys, you're not going to, you're not going to have a good safety culture. Um, It starts at home before the guys um, get to work. Uh, If they're having a bad day, if, you know, you got to work with these guys all day. And it's (laughs) typically a a male-dominated um, field operations. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of testosterone out there. Oh, gosh. And, uh, and, you know, dudes are dudes. We, you know, sometimes we have that macho mentali- mentality. But mm-hmm, um, yeah. being able to just be open, like, mm-hmm. and, and to have the guys be able to just say, hey, man, I'm not having a good day. I mm-hmm. had a fight with my wife last night. I, I just don't feel like I can focus. Mm-hmm. When you start that conversation, and people are like, hey, where's, where's Johnny today? Oh, man, he just, he's, you know, his head's not in it. Mm-hmm. They, they learn that trust, and they're like, okay, well, shoot, I don't have to come in if I'm not feeling right. Yeah. Um, being able to just do that. That is huge. We can make do. Mm-hmm. I, I can make do with a two-man crew like I do a three-man crew. Mm-hmm. And if I know that somebody is not in the right mindset for, for the day, then that two-man crew I know is going to end up 
doing everything the way they they do mm-hmm. safely. Yeah. Um, knock on wood, we've we've achieved a, a one year no recordable in our division. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've achieved um, so much, and we continuously are just trying to to build this thing better. Mm-hmm. Um, and and make it to where we're actually earning everything. Yeah. Earning that work is, is the biggest thing to me. That yeah. And your people feel it. They know it. They feel it. And when they, yeah, I think that when you guys are, it's like a momentum, you know, you start getting these small projects, larger projects, and like the people, don't you guys like get excited about getting awarded things and earning new things because they've done such a spectacular job in the past. I mean, it builds momentum, which ultimately builds great culture. Yeah. Right? Yep. Awesome. The guys know that that you're fighting for them. Yes. Um, at the end of the day, it ultimately comes down to your to your management team to make sure that that you're getting work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing we want to do is is hire a bunch of people and then just say, hey, we didn't we don't have any work. Yeah. Continuously pushing um, pushing that envelope. Do are we an oil and gas company? Are we a different company? What what else can we do? Mm-hmm. You know, there's tons of other work out there. Mm-hmm. And if we've got to go mow lawns to keep the guys busy, we'll go mow lawns. You'll we'll do figure what we it out do. for them. But going um, back to what you said, to close it, when your people feel and know that you're fighting for them, I feel like it's game yep. over. Yep, it's game over. And it's just a continuous push. Wow. All right. Well... I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. So, um, all right. Well, that's how we'll close it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you soon.